0: This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org where our ultimate focus is helping you understand that your workplace, it's your mission field and in your primary place of ministry, that the work that you do each and every day is a gift from God and that God wants to join you in that work today. We're just so grateful that you are tuned into iWork for Him, but we want to, not but, but, we and we want to really invite you to engage us in this process. Martha, we've Change the format of the show so we can hear from our listeners more often. How do they leave us a question? Leave us some things that they want us to hear about us, hear from
1: us. Well, at the risk of sounding like the Ghostbusters, just pick up the phone and give us a call. And isn't that the Ghostbusters? I don't think so. I okay. Anyway, I think that's so, just a typical So pick person. up the phone, oh, give us a call leave a message um, on our listener line, 866-713-9675. That's 866-713-WORK, W-O-R-K. You can leave a minute message there. We will pull that question and play it on the air and then be able to just have a conversation around it. But you can do this 24-7, any time of the day or night. Leave us a message. We are, um, you know, operators are standing by at all times. No, really, it's a it's a recording, but we want to hear from you. This is our opportunity to- So you just lied. Really, There's no be... operator really there. Well, I'm standing by in my recorded voice to okay. talk to all them. Right. All right,
0: you're sitting by, okay.
1: Okay. I'm okay. not standing. All but right, so please during the call our listener line.
0: So during the first segment of every show, we, we want to answer a question from a listener, and today our guests are gonna help us answer that question. Welcome Tony and Felicity Dale back to I Work for Him.
2: We're so glad to be with you. Thank you.
0: All right, so Tony and Felicity, we got a question from a listener that I thought would be fantastic to, to just have a roundabout conversation with you guys. All right, here's the question. I'm a nurse in a doctor's office and the doctor doesn't love Jesus. How can I be a light in for Jesus in this environment that sometimes can be toxic and where the doctor doesn't really appreciate my faith in Christ? So we've got so we, we so we're trying to focus that first part of the conversation, Tony and Felicity, on how do we help our listeners live out their faith in their work? And I thought that was a great conversation since you guys are both doctors, you've worked in doctor's offices. I know you're not that's not what you're doing every day, but you interact with healthcare professionals all the time. How would you guys answer that question?
2: Uh, well, Jim, it's a really interesting question. I, I, I think the dynamic that comes out to me uh, behind the question is, you know, the doctor is generally speaking the, the boss, so to speak, within the office. And so uh, if I was going to broaden this question out, it's really uh, how, how does anyone as an employee, but in a context, uh, you know, whether it's an, a medical office or any other type of work situation, uh, h- how are they open about their faith, Uh when, when they, uh, yes, need to be under authority, uh, need mm. to uh, be giving of their best and not uh, usurping the sort of professional position in this particular case that they find themselves in. Uh, and, and I think it, it starts for me with, you know, a very well-known uh, quote uh, from, well, they say it's from Francis of Assisi, I presume uh, that's the case. Uh, you know, as emblazoned on many T-shirts. Uh, mm-hmm. And it says this. It says, uh, effectively, uh, always speak about Christ, and if necessary, use words. And, you know, it does begin with our life. Uh, we we earn the right uh, to speak. I, I don't mean we have to be perfect or have done everything perfect, but uh, it, it really doesn't work to be... Uh, let's say, you know, bringing an opportunity to to talk about Jesus when uh, the doctor doesn't feel you've done your job or the patient isn't already getting on well with you. Uh, So I I think the starting place, anyway, uh, is making sure that we're doing a really good job uh, and that people are, are, as it were, being one to us, that our whole attitude is
3: winsome.
1: Hmm. Those are some great words, Felicity. Do you have anything to add to that conversation?
3: I think uh, obviously to agree with what Tony's saying there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I'm just trying to think whether we we know of any examples where that's happened.
2: Uh. Well, just okay. let's. No, what, historically, we've known of many examples. Uh, uh, you know, both places where we were working, but uh, you know, we weren't necessarily the Uh, the the primary influence or a leader, and we've watched other people who have a really godly Christian witness. Uh, I think of one practice I worked in uh, where a nurse came and worked with us for a period of time, Uh, and uh, she was just uh, the most natural evangelist I can imagine. Uh, And, you know, both her attitude uh, and, and her incredibly sweet disposition uh, but her great openness that what was going on here was uh, the presence of Jesus in her life. So yes, a- anyone can be an example to Jesus.
0: But what does it look like? In, you know, A nurse is interacting with tons of patients, interacting with the... the, the, the if it's in a, in a typical small medical office, or maybe a, an LPN or a phlebotomist that's taking blood, I mean, there's some of that stuff going on. I mean, how does the nurse... Become that key influencer and impact the culture because a lot of times doctors don't, in, in today's world, they don't run their office. There's practice managers that run the office. The nurses is, is, is keeping track of a lot of the people that are running. I mean, how does it, what does it look like for a nurse to, I mean, to practically, in the interaction with all the patients, to be able to, to incorporate faith into conversations as they're encouraging patients?
3: I think it helps to have a, a good question to ask. So oftentimes, a nurse will be, sitting with a patient and the patient will sort of pour out all their their problems uh, to, to the nurse. And uh, there's a simple question like, I know that Tony used it a lot, "Had you ever thought of praying about this? Which is, um, it's an open question and you, you quite often get a, um, the, the, the response to that question will tell you whether the person is open to taking the conversation further. So mm. Tony, often find that they, the patient might say, oh, the doctor, I've tried, but it feels like my prayers are hitting the ceiling, and uh, then that's an, an open invitation, in a sense, to, to take the conversation further. Tony, why don't you give an example or two? Yeah, I, I,
2: I love you know, the fact that Listy said, you know, ha- have a good question to ask. That, that was something uh, I found uh, again and again would indicate whether the door was open, Mm -hmm. Over the years, I found many good questions, perhaps almost the commonest uh, was, uh, you know, it it sounds to me like you're a bit frightened in this situation. Would that be the case? Uh, And then the patient will begin to open up. And I uh, then might, you know, say something about, you know, the answers to fear aren't in our medicines. Uh, And, uh, again, what you're doing is you're very gently saying, do I have permission to tell you where I find answers in these situations? Mm.
1: You know, that's a really great point. And I think that what our listeners can take away from this, they may not be a nurse in a medical um, office or anything like that, but wherever we are in our work, if we're hearing some of the same themes over and over again like you were saying you know um, somebody's afraid because of a diagnosis or something like that whatever that is in our workspace, being prepared taking some time to say how could i redirect this what kind of question could i ask when i'm doing somebody's taxes and they're saying, man, it's so unfair. I've made this money that I have to give it all the government, you know, whatever that, that conversation is that's that's coming up over and over again in our um, field that we're thinking about it. How can I ask a good question? And Jim, don't you think praying about that really will reveal some good answers? Well,
0: oh, I just love the fact that both Tony and Felicity had these entrance questions and I and I mm-hmm. love the fact I know that the Lord will answer you say, Father, give me would you please give me a question that will be a question that will be intriguing to people that will compel people to engage me in a conversation that i can lead to christ that's a prayer i think that god wants to answer all the time tony don't you think
2: oh i i absolutely do and you, you know i used to literally pray every day on my way into the medical practice uh, Lord, you know, I'm going to see so many patients today. Some of them I know need to hear you. Uh, you know, alert me to the situation. Uh, and it's no different in other jobs. You know, now obviously mm-hmm. I'm primarily involved in, in business. Uh, and, and it can be anything. I, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I guess because of the nature of this
0: conversation right. of a time right.
2: when uh, another CEO came in. Uh, Tony, we're going to have to
0: hold that story till the next one. We're going to thank the listener for calling in. Hey, today on The Guest, we've got an amazing show for you guys today. You know, it's so fun every day to highlight what the Lord is doing in our country each and every day in the workplaces of America, but what is he up to in other countries? Rarely do we get to take a look at what's going on in other places. Today, Tony and Felicity Dale join us from Austin, Texas, to talk about their latest trip around the globe in India, the UK. Tony and Felicity spend their time encouraging believers from all over. We can't hear what the Lord has been up to and what the Lord has brought for them to share with our audience. Tony and Felicity, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much. We're glad to be here.
0: All right, so here, here's just a, a question because we really want to hear what the Lord's been up to. But how have, Tony and Felicity, how have you seen the Lord bring fresh faith to you guys recently?
2: Well, wow, we've had uh, plenty of things going on, uh, mainly tied up with uh, our businesses, uh, where I, I think it's, it's really a daily call uh, of needing God's wisdom. Um, I mean, literally yesterday. Uh, no, it's Thursday today, so uh, I guess it was on Tuesday. Uh, I was meeting with one of my uh, CEOs, uh, and uh, I found myself thinking back to the verse I'd read that morning from Colossians, where it talks about Jesus as our wisdom. Mm. Uh, and you know, the the situations we're exploring—sure, there are sort of human answers; there are adequate answers. But sometimes the complexity of the moving parts just brings you to, really to your knees to say, Lord, uh, we we can do this badly, but we want to know how we do it well. So, yes, needing him in every ordinary, everyday decision.
1: Oh. Uh-huh. That's good. That's a very good word because we do sometimes, you know, we look at it may be one really big thing that we're working on that's very complex, or it may be that there's 15 things that you're trying to juggle and say, Lord, how do I do it all? And maybe they fit together and we just need to know and have his wisdom in that. So thank you for sharing that. So you guys recently went um, out of the country and you went to India. Why did you go there?
3: We were there to take part in a conference. Uh, A uh, house church planting conference um, with with some of our very good friends in India people Mm -hmm. who are doing absolutely amazing things out there
0: so tell us about that, I mean tell us what you saw in in India I mean you're talking about amazing things, let's tell the audience, I mean people need to know we all need as Jesus followers to celebrate what God's doing across the globe what kind of things did you see Felicity?
3: Well, in the middle of this conference, there were, I guess there were about 80, 90 people there. Um, in the middle of this conference, somebody turned up unannounced. And then the story was this that he had, um, a number of years ago, built a, a prayer tower on his land out of uh, corrugated iron and asked our friends if they would go and dedicate it. Well, they've gone down there and. Um, uh, the uh, husband said that it was so hot he led his wife through the dedicating in this, to this tin tower. Uh, uh, you know, but uh, anyhow, somewhere during that time they'd had a conversation with the person who built it. And um, the, the, the outcome of that conversation was that the guy had said to our friend, uh, you will not see me again until I've baptized 100,000 people.
2: Now, I want to add another part of the story, which uh, mm-hmm. I think is, you know, equally fascinating. I, I certainly uh, uh, emphasize or, or understand the, the feeling of not wanting to go into that tin hut in the middle of the Indian heat. Uh, but um, uh, he mentioned something else uh, in this story, uh, and that was that this, this gentleman, who really seemed incredibly ordinary...
3: Yeah, nothing Yeah, nothing, nothing special. special
2: Uh, But uh, this gentleman had had the sense that God had put on his heart that he and his wife, who I guess had been thinking about having children, but had not had children. And God had said to them, no, you're not going to have children because I'm going to give you spiritual children. Mm. Uh, now, I, I don't mean to tie those two like they're, you know, you, you can't have both. Uh, of course, normally most people uh, w- would expect both. But for this man, God said to him, uh, I'm not going to be having you to have children. I'm going to give you many spiritual children. And so, you know, into that surrender uh, of an ordinary life uh, comes this this statement of faith that I'm not going to be back to, to visit you. Uh, our friend at the conference, uh, one of the leaders of the conference, uh, until I've seen a hundred thousand people baptized.
3: Mm-hmm. So he turns up, and uh, he's, he's seen a hundred and two thousand since he saw our f- last saw our friends for approximately
2: what eight years or seven years previously.
1: Wow! You
3: know, that's that's amazing. He baptized them all personally, but. He trained people, he trained people, and the the total number of people in that movement was 102,000 baptisms.
0: That's big vision. I mean, that's big vision. So just to clarify, so the guy that built the tower, is he the guy that was seeing the people baptized, or was the guy that built the tower the one, I mean, make that connection. I I got a little confused on some of those details.
2: The, The guy who built the tower, ordinary, very ordinary Christian believer, uh, and, uh, you know, when we talk about a tower, you know, this is probably a, t- a, a, a tiny tin room on stilts or something sure. like that. But it's All his right. prayer room. Got uh, and he's the guy who from there went out and began uh, basically a house church movement, you know, working, shall we say, with half a dozen, I don't know, maybe eight or ten people And then, you know, it becomes two house churches and then maybe three and five and ten. And before you know it, uh, they've seen over 100,000 adults baptized because I know the way in that movement. They count, uh, uh, you know, uh, they don't really tend to count conversions, if I can use it that way. Uh, Because lots of people will effectively in the Indian context stick up their hand. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it represents a huge transformation when they say, I'm walking in obedience into baptism.
1: Uh, And so, yes,
2: in the previous seven years throughout that network, over 102,000 baptisms.
1: Wow. You know, those are the kinds of things we don't hear unless we have the opportunity like for somebody like you that's been boots on the ground and heard that story firsthand. So this guy shows up and shares that he has seen that over the last seven or eight years. How did that encourage the other um, house church people that were there at that conference?
3: Obviously, it was a huge boost to everybody. Um, Like Tony says, the, the guy... didn't seem anything special, just a very, very ordinary person. Mm -hmm. For him to have had the faith to see that is just a a huge encouragement to everybody. And and really,
2: that would illustrate, I think, uh, exactly what Felicity said, you know, in in one of her uh, books uh, a few years ago, An Army of Ordinary People. Uh, We have no idea what can come out uh, of the impact of any of us. I mean, who, who led Billy Graham to the Lord? Right. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you know, but, uh, you know, wh- that name, in a sense, is lost to history for most of us. We have no idea. Uh, but Billy Graham goes down in the annals of history, but someone was faithful. Uh, and if all of us who are listening to this program just dared to believe that God would use us, we would be astounded at what comes out of it.
0: So, I mean, when we, you know, we've got a bunch of people listening to the show today that are, they're trying, they're going, I want to live out my faith everywhere I go, especially in my work. And I want to have bold faith like that guy that builds a prayer tower and says, I'm going to see, I'm not going to talk to you again. not going to see you again until I've seen a hundred thousand people baptized. That's some big faith. Tony, how do you, I mean, how do you even start praying like that to pray, to think that big?
2: Well, I, I want to take you further back in the story to our friends who had been asked to come and dedicate the prayer tower. And I'm not going to say too much about them because the the situation in India gets increasingly delicate. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, But
2: they come from a a classic sort of professional background, if you like, rather like Felicity and I. Uh, And from that professional background, uh, God called them out from their area of natural expertise and said, you need to be available for planting churches. Uh, And the husband's response to what they sent the Holy Spirit saying was "But Lord, I don't even know anything about church planting. Okay, now, fast forward, you know, however many years, I don't know, 20 or 30 years at this point, and it's not just someone like this man who built the the prayer tower, uh, but uh, our friend... Uh, in introducing this man, said, "Yeah, this is number six into what I laughingly call—and he—he was just sort of joking in his own self-depreciating way—what I laughingly call my 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 million-member club." Uh, and what our friend shared was, you know, now, you know, we personally know within just what God asked us to get involved with uh, of six people. Uh, who have gone out and done this. And, and their challenge was, and, and why couldn't uh, God use any of you? Uh, and, and that's, that's really, I, I think, the point of this. You know, it isn't the big numbers. God's not impressed by big numbers. You know, he has myriad of myriad of angels. You know, he, uh, in, in that sense, God can do whatever he wants. What, what he loves, though, is faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Uh, because those who come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Uh, And I I think the difference between, you know, people who end up with stories to tell and people who wonder why I never have any stories uh, is really tied up with the issue of faith, of are we going to step out, are we going to do something bold? You know, it might be that nurse who uh, you spoke to me about earlier who was wondering how to witness within her context. Uh, as we step out obediently and sensitively in the context God gives us, that is what opens up the doors to these remarkable stories.
0: So you know we're we're hearing, well, at least I'm hearing in a lot of Christian media outlets that it's that India is getting more and more anti-Jesus by the months. I mean, it you know it used to be a a, a British you know, influenced colony kind of a thing. But, you know, what's driving the animosity against Jesus in India? And and what are the Jesus, how are the Jesus followers there dealing with this?
3: Well, the persecution has certainly stepped up. Everywhere we went, that's the story we heard. Um, And, you know, we have other friends out there who um, have members of their movement um, who've lost their lives. Literally, the persecution has been that, um, that fierce. So yeah, it's a persecution that we really don't see uh, here in the West, but that uh, our Indian brothers and sisters literally are putting their lives on the line.
1: So what is do, is there anything specific that we can be praying for, for the people that are there really boots on the ground? I, I know I've said that before, but just um, how can we specifically be lifting them up as they're trying to impact that country?
2: You know, Scripture teaches us. I, I think it's in Timothy, but I could have that wrong. Uh, you know, that we're to pray for for kings and governors, and you know, those with the rule over us, uh, so that uh, we, we have peace, and so that we have a freedom to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and India would be a classic case of that. Uh, the A militant Hindu party has been in power for some time now. They just won another resounding victory, i.e. they extended their lead. Uh, And, you know, of course the the Christians are praying, you know, for a friendly environment. Uh, But it's interesting, the response of the Christians. I, I, you know, in in talking with some of our friends there, they said, yes, of course, we're praying for the other party to win. Uh, But actually, what we're really praying is, Lord your will be done because we don't like it but we know that when the other when this anti-Christian you know militantly Hindu party is in power uh, it it forces Christians to stand up Uh, and in that context uh, it seems that even more people come to Jesus Mm -hmm. Uh, and so you know it's literally rather like Jesus in Gethsemane Lord you know not my will I'd like it nice and easy with kings and governors who favor us uh, but, Lord, whatever is necessary, so that our nation would be saved, uh, and that's the type of prayer that brings these results.
0: you know, Tony and Felicity, we're hearing stories from around the globe and around this country that, that the light, but more so outside of the country, but just how God is moving in the miraculous, the supernatural uh events happening in the, in the in the countries around the world. I, what kind of stories did you hear that are happening out of the marketplace? Are, are miraculous healings happening? I mean, like we've heard stories out of Holland. We've heard stories out of the southern parts of the U.K. Um, just how God is working in the marketplace to bring about the miraculous, the supernatural, in order to draw people to him. Did you hear any stories like that in India?
2: Well, well, stories of the miraculous in India are, I, I guess, to be honest, so common it's, uh, it's, not, it's not really a topic of conversation like it is here. Uh, you know, here in the West, we, we have a worldview that, e- even as Christians, uh, uh, I'm not saying this is literally what we would say is our worldview, it's how we live. We have a worldview of a God who's up there and maybe sort of smiles bow- down benignly at us, and, uh, but basically the world goes on with or without him. Um, That isn't the view of religious things in most other parts of the world. It is true in the Western world, uh, but in most other parts of the world, uh, the religious environment, if I can put it that way, is that everything is controlled by the spiritual, Uh, that the gods, uh, if you're from a Hindu background like India, uh, or that... Uh, you know, uh, if you're from a Muslim background, uh, you know that, uh, that 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 God, uh, who we have to be submissive to, which is really what the the term Muslim means, uh, so to submit. You know, he he's in charge of everything, and so you have to learn how to bring every part of your life under him. That's the sort of concept behind Sharia law, uh, and so for for us in the West. That the miraculous seems so almost unbelievable, uh, even in many Christian circles, because we don't think in terms of a God who's engaged. Elsewhere in the world, that's almost the normal.
1: Hmm. That's an interesting perspective. You know, we've, um, we're talking with Tony and Felicity Dale and they have just recently come back from their world travels that took them to India. And then also you guys then went on to the UK, um, where you guys are from. And so as we, as we kind of follow your travels, we know that the UK is not a stranger to persecuting Christians either. So what did you hear from about the persecution of Jesus followers in the UK today?
3: Uh, we really weren't there meeting with other Jesus followers. We were there for family. Uh, we have a granddaughter who's in art mm-hmm. school there. And we, we just had a, a really fun time. So it wasn't a specifically... We weren't specifically meeting with Christians. In fact, I'm not sure if we, we really did.
2: Well, we, we didn't have any, let, let's call them meetings, you know, specific yeah. uh, sure. gathering. Now, obviously, we met, we met people. Right. Uh, and... Um, one of the things I heard from uh, some of our medical friends uh, is that the, the areas where you have to make choices and decide where you make a stand uh, are getting more and more stark. Mm. Uh, the particular conversation that's coming to mind is, is just that the reality of the whole uh, sort of transgender conversation that is going on Um, You know, it's one thing in a tolerant society to uh, almost to live and let live. You know, we don't live in uh, a Christian environment and I don't think we have the freedom to force our views on others. Uh, But that, uh, that works in reverse as well, meaning increasingly Christian physicians are finding themselves being forced Uh, to say, well, you're a doctor and, you know, you're working in gynecology. If this, uh, you know, youngster says that he feels more like a girl, uh, then you need to prescribe the hormones or whatever. Well, you know, that raises huge ethical, uh, you know, moral challenges. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it's precisely into these types of areas that Christians need to say, no, there are lines we will not cross. We may not have a right to say to other people that they cannot cross them, uh, but we will not cross them. And I think there are many things like this in the marketplace where in the West believers need to stand up and be counted.
0: Yeah. To draw in a line in the sand like that, Tony and Felicity though, is, it's an amazing thing because it is, <clears throat> you know, it costs that baker in Colorado, everything to draw a line in the sand like that. And a, and a florist, uh, again, uh, uh, everything and a baker recently at a in a college town in Ohio cost them everything to be able to draw that line in the sand. How do we encourage? I mean, because this is the conversation is is coming and it's coming rapidly. How, what kinds of things can we encourage people when they're drawing that line in the sand?
3: I often think that if the teachers had drawn a line in the sand when it was it was decreed that they shouldn't uh, pray that the prayer was outlawed in schools, it would have, there would have been a very different outcome.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, b- b- boldness
2: is, is a part of it, and that's what Felicity's alluded to. And, you know, we, we've told you stories before here on, uh, on the program, Jim, uh, about times uh, medically in England where we had to learn how to draw that line and the impact it had on the national scene. Right.
1: Uh,
2: but but there's, there is more to it than that. Uh, I I think that the the states is is its own kind of unique animal. don't know how else to put it. I mean, we we love the fact that we're Americans, uh, but we also love (laughs) the fact that we're immigrants. And and so we see see things still a little bit with outsiders' eyes. Uh, And there's a graciousness, a love for the non-Christian that is often lacking within our evangelical circles Mm. over here. And the well, answer is, you're wrong
0: and I'm right. Just loving on people. I, I love that. Those are great thoughts. Tony and Felicity, we're so grateful that you, that you share those thoughts with us. Hey, you're listening to the iWork for radio show, and we've been talking with show guests Tony and Felicity Dale out of Austin, Texas. They just got back from a road trip to a road trip. Road well, trip. there's roads <laughs> in India, but they, they didn't drive there. They flew there. there. Tony and Felicity, I think what's really important for all of us is just to understand how do we... How can we? You guys have interaction with people all over the world who are living out their faith in every part of their lives, especially their work. How is it best to pray for our brothers and sisters in the body that are dealing with persecution that we have no idea what it's even like? Well, how do you pray for people?
3: Yeah, Interesting question. Um, obviously, we pray for their protection, but we pray that God uses them in whatever way... Um, Whatever way he wants to... It's interesting, when you talk to our friends out there, they, they're not praying against the persecution. They see the persecution as something that God uses to expand the kingdom uh, more rapidly. Um, I think they... I'm not sure if, if it's because someone becoming a Christian has to pay a, a higher price, although I certainly think that's part of it. Uh, when there's no cost to becoming a Christian, it's very easy to be a lukewarm disciple... Whereas if you know it could cost your job, or your home, or your family, um, or even your life, you take it a lot more seriously, you uh, think twice before you take that step.
2: Yeah, I, w- I would add to that, that, you know, that, that's a question that is actually clearly answered in Scripture. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly where in Acts, but, you know, uh, Peter, or one of the Apostles, is quoting from Psalm 2, and he Says, well, you know, why do the heathen rage, uh, and you know, the the the, the kings imagine these uh, strange things. You know, he who sits in the heavens laughs at this, uh, and so they go on to say, so Lord, grant to your so uh, your uh, servants boldness, while you continue to stretch out your mighty arm, and you know, signs and wonders follow in the name of Jesus, uh, and. It's the persecution that pulls out of people the faith that leads to the miraculous. Now, That's not the only thing that leads to the miraculous, but uh, I, I, I think we, we need a strong dose uh, of biblical understanding that God uses persecution to actually release the church into its authority and power.
0: Just like you did in the early church.
1: You know, so Tony, let's let's turn that around towards our listeners and where they're at, because they may not be facing life and death situations of persecution. But much like what Jim alluded to with the the baker out of Colorado, you know, a lot of people without a biblical basis, or maybe even some with a biblical basis, would say, you know, it would have been a whole lot easier if he had just baked the cake. But you know what? He 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 <laughs> took that bold step. Um, So talk to our listeners in their workplaces and decisions they're having to make and lines in the sand they're having to draw and how they can have the boldness of Christ.
2: You know, I don't know the baker or the florist florist, or, you know, any of these Mm -hmm. others who found themselves in the public eye. Uh, But I suspect uh, that they are wonderful people who love all of their clients, and who've gone out of their way to be a blessing to those who happen to be gay or lesbian or, uh, you know, what, whatever might be the issue. Uh, but when they're asked to do something which for them becomes morally wrong, i.e., to celebrate a marriage which they don't believe is a marriage, uh, then they needed to draw a line. So. You, you find yourself then looking at the context where, where we can love and bless even with things that we strongly disapprove of, but we cannot participate. Uh, so, you know, what does that look like in business? Well, it looks like uneven weights and measures. You know, someone buys a service, but we mm. find a way to cut corners. And not to give them the whole service. Uh, You know, we ran into some problems in that, uh, you know, here in one of our own companies where inadvertently we uh, all of a sudden realized we had allowed ourselves to get so busy we were not fulfilling our contractual obligations. Well, that's wrong. Uh, We had to put it right, including with the client. Okay, but say you're, you're an employee and you're being deliberately encouraged to cut all those corners. Uh, you're participating now in something that you know is wrong, and that's where you have to stand up. This is the sort of place, I, I've had people say this to me, you know, I used to work in private industry, and now I work for uh, you know, for uh, one of the, the departments within uh, you know, uh, local government or federal government, uh, and they're all telling me I'm working too hard, I'm making everybody else look bad. Mm-hmm. So do I now stop working hard? Just because it makes everybody else look bad. No. Uh, It says in Scripture, we not only don't participate in the unfruitful works of darkness, but we instead expose them. So it's going to be very different in every different context. But any Christian who's serious will find it's true. That those who want to, you know, live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There will be lines they have to draw in the sand.
0: And it seems like the more and more serious you get about your faith, those lines come fast and furious because the enemy loves to see you tested and the Lord loves to use that adversity to shape us to be more like Jesus. So it, it, it seems like that's almost an in, inevitability. So let me shift the conversation to healthcare. as we As we close out our conversation today, uh, last night was the first of the debates uh, for the Democratic candidate for the president of the United States. And and there's lots of conversations in, in Congress uh, about uh, the current state of the Affordable Care Act, or Obamacare, as it's called. <clears throat> but, Tony, the conversation is about uh, 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 this health care being um, controlled by the government, being a single-payer health care system. And you, every day, are playing in that world of the healthcare care world. What are your thoughts? And let's not go political sides on this thing, but is single-payer health care run by the government a great solution? Is that something that Christians should get behind? <laughs> Oh, silence there! Did, it, did, did I put? <laughs> did I ask you a question you don't want to answer? I mean, that's fine. You can just tell me, Jim. I don't want to go there. That's fine, Jim. Can I do no, you know, all that? I'm, I'm,
1: I'm
2: always happy <laughs> to answer a question. I'm, I'm just not uh, necessarily uh, going to be dogmatic. Uh, so uh, I I would not want to say as a Christian you can only have one viewpoint on on this subject. Okay, I, I, there are lots of people who believed. That, uh, you know, healthcare is so important that it is the sort of area government should be, be running. Uh, and uh, I, you know, I, I have no problem with a Christian who believes that, who can back it rationally. Uh, I do not think that is the best way over here. Uh, obviously, I come from a single-payer system in Britain. Uh, there are many things about that system I like. Uh, but I don't think it is transferable here. Uh, and there are many things about the single-payer system I don't like. Uh, and there are, you know, over here, there are many things about this mixed system we have over here. Government runs half of healthcare over mm-hmm. here. Uh, private enterprise runs the other half, but under a lot of government regulation. Uh, and so we don't really see the free market at work. Where we do see the free market at work, extraordinary things are happening over here. Incredible things. We probably don't have time to talk about it here, but we could devote a whole segment uh, to, to that. There are exciting things going on transforming healthcare from the inside. And in the context of this radio show, I'd say to people, pray for President Trump because his emphasis on deregulation and encouraging innovation is creating huge changes and even more opportunity for change. And we need to see that innovation allowed to flower.
0: Mm, innovation and free markets—those are two powerful words that give some people shivers and other people's uh, you know cheer. Uh, Felicity, do you have any thoughts on that as well? I mean, you—I you, know every day you're you're involved in so many different worlds each and every day, and I know you got a heart and a passion for just people. You got any any comments you want to add to what Tony had to say?
3: Um, not specifically, but just to sort of agree with him that the more. Uh, sort of creative thinking and innovation that goes on the better. Mm. The uh, the single payer system is certainly not the answer uh, for, for every country. Um, and uh, yeah I, I I think there are there are many far more creative ideas that could be explored. Okay.
0: I love that. Tony and Felicity Dale, we just want to thank you. The iWorkFram audience gets to hear from you guys often, and we just appreciate your transparency, your, your authentic, authenticity, your vulnerability. Just are willing to share, hey, here's what the Lord's using us to do, but thank you for mm-hmm. being great supporters of iWorkFram and also great uh, guests on iWorkFram. Thanks for being on the show with us today.
2: It's been a real privilege. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much.
0: Make sure you check out their two companies online, Sidera.com, Sidera.com, and TheKarisGroup.com, the Group.com, two phenomenal organizations doing miraculous things in the free market system each and every day for healthcare. One last plug to just ask each one of our listeners to call the listener line and ask us a question that you'd love for us to deal with online la- uh, on the air, 866-713-9675, 866-713-WORK. We want to hear from you. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host Jim and Martha
1: Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, and our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.